Our success and failure in life is not based on your dreams, your ambitions, your goals, and your tactics for getting there, and the relationships that you have, and all the other stuff. Your success or failure is based upon your relationship to this book. Do you get it? This is Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Crawford Lorenz. Crawford is leading us through a series of messages from 2 Samuel and 1 Kings, looking at the life of David. In a few moments, we'll get to the second part of the message, Footprints in the Sand. Now, before some people come to the end of their lives, they're able to share important lessons they've learned and offer advice to those they leave behind. In today's study, we'll find King David on his deathbed, sharing some important warnings with his son, Solomon, who will take over the throne. There are three specific charges David gives, along with two promises. Last week, we talked about the first charge, to live courageously. We'll touch on the other two today, live obediently and live faithfully. The messages we share here on Living a Legacy come from Crawford's years as senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church of Roswell, Georgia. Now in retirement, Crawford heads an organization called Beyond Our Generation, a ministry leadership mentoring program. Crawford has authored several books, and among them, Unshaken, Make It Home Before Dark, and Your Marriage, Today and Tomorrow, co-authored by Crawford's wife, Karen. Now, last week, we left off with what must have been a special moment for Solomon as he looked down upon his father, David, who was near death. Let's look carefully at the three charges David gives to Solomon as we return to 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Here's Crawford Loretz on Living a Legacy. In these verses, David gives him three charges. He gets so in his grill. He reduces his life down. He says, Solomon, Solomon, look, you, you don't have to try to be like me. You don't have to try to do things the way I did them. In fact, we're different. We come from a different era. Don't try to replicate my experiences, boy. God has a path for you. But here's the lowest common denominator, Solomon. You've got to do these three things. Buddy, you've got to do these three things. And I'm telling you, your whole career, the whole reign, your whole kingdom, the success and failure will be based upon whether you do these three things. He charged him, number one, I want you to live courageously. Number two, live obediently. And number three, live faithfully. First, he charges Solomon, I want you to live courageously. The overarching principle that I want us to get from this is that we need to press through the challenges and opportunities of our responsibilities. Listen to what he says here. Again, picking up verse 1, when David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. Show yourself a man. Literally in the Hebrew it is become a man. Become a man. I think what David was saying to Solomon is look, look, look. Yeah, yeah, there's some incredible responsibilities that are dropping on you right now. You didn't train for all of this. And your temptation is going to be to shrink back. You're going, to run, you're going to want to run from the responsibility. You're going to want to try to like carve it out or repackage it. You, 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 you're, you're going to be tempted to say, this is overwhelming. This, I, I don't have all that I need to do this. 
But what David was saying is that Solomon, you must become what being the king of Israel requires. I want to say that again. He was saying to Solomon, Solomon, you must become what the king of Israel requires. Hear me on this, hear me on this, hear me on this. In life, you've got to become what your calling requires. We look at this thing backwards. Some of us, we're running from responsibilities, running from the calling that God has given to us. I tell younger leaders this all the time. The truth of the matter is, typically, God gives us callings beyond our capacity so that the doing of the work is not the miracle. We become the miracle in the process of doing the work. It is the challenge of the calling that causes us to rise up to get what we need and we prove God in the process to accomplish what he's called us to be about. And he says, look, don't run, Solomon. You gotta become what's required. When we've been given responsibilities that are beyond where we are, it is a call to growth and courage. That's what he's saying. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, I think it's very interesting, the Apostle Paul says something very similar to the men there at the church at Corinth. You drop it in its broader context. These dudes had been no-shows with all of the controversies and stuff that had gone on in that church, and a whole bunch of dysfunctional nonsense in the church there at Corinth. And so in this parting shot, Paul says to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, he says three words to the dudes. He said, act like men. Act like men. Stop running. Lead. And this is what he's saying to his son. I can just feel it. His voice is not as strong. He says, Solomon, show yourself a man. Step up and God will give you what you need. Some of you are looking for God to give you what you need before you step up, but that's not the way it happens. You can pray all day long for God to give you what you need, but we live by faith. First you act and then God will give you what you need. You trust him, and he will give you what you need. Act like a man. I, I think perhaps David sensed some weakness in Solomon. Great responsibilities require great strength and courage. I know I'm reading between the pages here, but listen, face it. Solomon didn't grow up the way his daddy did. David was a warrior. David wasn't no wimp. I mean, you little tender shepherd boy, but David knew how to fight. In fact, that was the reason why God said, nah, I know you want to build a temple for me, but you got a little bit too much blood on your hands. Let Solomon do that one. Solomon grew up in a different world. Solomon wasn't born in the wilderness with some like, you know, he wasn't born out there with like some of his other brothers was. Solomon came along a little later when his father was a living legend and he was on the throne and he had a lot of resources and a lot of prominence, a lot of wealth, Solomon had been exposed to the better parts of life. It wasn't, wasn't as hard for him. He didn't have to fight. He didn't have to do any of this. There were servants and there were all this stuff around. And uh, David probably thought, you know, this kid of mine has grown up with a little bit too much cotton, too many shock absorbers. He doesn't know what it means to, to, to struggle. He doesn't know what it means to fight a little bit. He doesn't know, know what it means to press into stuff. He doesn't, he doesn't have enough street sense. He doesn't know these guys are spitting on his fit, foot and telling him it's raining. He ain't got that working for him. 
No, I'm serious. I mean, you know what I mean? Some of our kids, they ain't got much street sense. That's Solomon. And that's, I think that's the reason why he said Solomon. Hey, 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 hey. When you sit on this throne, there's going to be stuff coming at you that you never imagined. Not everybody who looks at you and says they're loyal to you are, are really loyal. What are you going to do? Show yourself a man. Let the role grow you up. Let the role grow you up. I can just give a little parting shot to, to some of us as parents. Stop weakening your kids, especially your boys. Sometimes the best thing you need to do is back up and let them run into a brick wall. Let, 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 let them grow up some more. Let them face some hard stuff. Because they're going to be placed in situations where they're going to be a husband and a father. And some people are not going to be on the other end of the phone. They're going to have to learn to make decisions and trust God in the midst of hard stuff. David says to Solomon, so many words, don't run from the challenge, but run to God to get what you need for the challenge. Show yourself a man. Show yourself a woman. So he charges him to live courageously. You're not going to get off the dime, buddy, until you embrace this. Secondly, he charges Solomon to live obediently. To live obediently. You know, the, the principle here is that he, what he's saying to Solomon, live in and by the truth of God's word. You know, David wanted his son to love the word of God like he did. It's almost as if he says, you know, let's read this here, verse, verse, verse 3. He says, and keep the charge of the Lord your God walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses. And by the way, the law of Moses, that was the, that was, uh, the, the rest of the canon of the scriptures had not been completed yet. The first five books of the, of, of the Bible is all that they had, and that represented the word of God. It, it, it's almost as if David is saying to Solomon, son, do you, do you know why... Do you know why God's hand has been on me? Do you, do you understand that? Do you know why we're blessed like this? You, 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 do you know, you know you, you, do you get it? Do you get it, son? You, 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 well, I wasn't always here in Jerusalem. You, you, you do understand that, don't you? you? All these people around now, okay, that you, you, know, you ask and they do things, they, they weren't always here. Do you know why God favored me? Do you know why he blessed me? See, what makes the next generation soft is that they think the outcome was the cause of the blessing. That's what makes them soft. They hold on and protect what they've been given, but they don't always realize and appreciate why they got what they've been given. So David says the reason why God breathed on me was because I believed this book. I, could, I can't help but think that maybe David had in mind as he's laying on his couch what he wrote in Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk, sit, or stand, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Solomon, this book is everything, buddy. 
Or, or maybe, maybe he thought about what he had written. Maybe this is in the back of his mind in Psalm 19 and verses 7 through 11 and hoping that his son would get it. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Solomon, do you get it? It's not the fact that I'm your father. Do you get it? Your success or failure is based upon your relationship to this book. Do you get it? Christian, follow Jesus. Our success and failure in life is not based on your dreams, your ambitions, your goals, and your tactics for getting there, and the relationships that you have, and the networks that you create, and how you've maneuvered and leveraged and positioned yourself, and, and honed your craft, and who, you know, and, 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 and all the other stuff. Do you get it? Do you get it? Throughout the Bible, great godly father figures have charged their sons to submit to the authority and power of God's word. I don't have time to name them all, but I'll just give you the top three. What did Moses say to Joshua in his transition? You read Deuteronomy 31, you read it yourself. Basically, he said the same thing that David said on his bed to Solomon. Joshua, don't get cute. Your success or failure rests upon your relationship to the Word of God. Then, of course, we have the incident of what we're talking about here. That's David and Solomon. But even in the New Testament, Paul and Timothy. You read 2 Timothy chapter 4. You know what 2 Timothy is all about. It's, the, it's probably the most, it is the most personal of all the Apostle Paul's letters. Why? Because it's his last will and testament. He's dying. They're going to kill him. They're going to kill him. History tells us that Paul was decapitated. They chopped his head off. He's in jail. And he's writing Timothy, who is like a flesh and blood son to him. And what does he say? Read the emotions of the text in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says, I charge you in the sight of God. Preach the word. The last breath that's in me. Don't get sidetracked with fables. Don't, don't, don't leverage experiences. All Preach the word, Timothy. And Solomon is standing over his father's bed. And he realizes his dad wrote is what many call the anthology of worship, the Psalms, the longest book in the Bible. My dad wrote that. It contains his passion. The high point of that psalm is Psalm 119 when he talked about the power of God's word in his life. And so when he says to Solomon, Solomon, obey it. Do this thing, man. Do it. And I think these words imply, David's charge implies at least these three relationships to the word of God. 
He was charging Solomon, number one, you, you are to know God's word. To know it. Not to refer to it, but to know it. And look, I am not scolding anybody here, but let me tell you something. That one of the big disappointments and burdens on my heart, one of the big disappointments and burdens on my heart is, is how readily we accommodate our biblical illiteracy. And I think if you've been a follower of Jesus Christ, over the course of your lifetime, you, we, we should have read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelations at least four or five times. And it's amazing the number of us who do not take the Scriptures seriously. We've got Bible studies here. We've got all this kind of stuff going on. But somehow or another, we use the Bible as sort of like a screensaver, but not necessarily do we, do we, do we, are we passionate about knowing it. So he calls them to know it. It implies a knowledge of the truth. The second thing that this implies is a, is a, submitment to, uh, a submission to the authority of the word of God. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to submit to it. And this is what he was telling Solomon. Oh, no, no. You don't send a prophet over there to go get the scrolls. The mandate for the kingdom of Israel is this book. You, you, you live under its authority. What's the difference between knowing it and living under its authority? It means that what this says is a final statement of every decision, every action, every worldview, every emphasis. It comes from this book. And if I'm passionate about that, it's for a reason. And the reason is this. I don't know what's going on here, but all across the country, speaking to my colleagues who pastor fine churches, Bible-believing churches, there is this movement that has grabbed a hold of us. Somehow or another, we think how we feel about issues is more important than what the Bible says about the issue. Now, let me, let me just be right on out there. There are a number of Christians who say that homosexual behavior is sinful and wrong. The Bible teaches that. And yet at the same time, despite the clear teaching in the Scripture that marriage is between a man and a woman, they say, well, I don't know about that. Uh, same-sex marriage, it all depends on how they feel and this kind of thing, and we waffle on that. Now, don't hear me, please, don't hear me saying that, that somehow or another, you know, I'm bashing the gay community, that kind of thing. Now, somebody asked me the other week about, man, can, can uh, a certain friend of mine, he's, he's practicing that, that lifestyle, can he come? I said, absolutely, you can come to church. Everybody's welcome here. You tell them to come right to this church, sit right next to the liar, to the gossip, and to the whoremonger, they're all here. <laughs> there, everybody's here. So, you know, let's get that off the table. You can't label me with that one. That's too easy. Don't label me with that one. But what I'm talking about is that somehow or another, we're okay with the Scriptures as long as it does not collide with what I prefer to believe. But what he was telling Solomon here is that, no, 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 nobody. You've got to know this. Not only should you know it, you've got to submit to its authority over your life. And then third implication here, I think, is that he says you need to live by God's word. 
Not just know it, submit to its authority, but live by it. He uses the expression, walk in his ways, keeping his statutes. David is saying this this book has got to be the theme of your life. It's consistent with what he wrote about in the Psalms. It's consistent with what he said in Psalm 1 verse 3. But in his law does he meditate day and night. The Hebrew word for meditate is dull sound. It implies that you know it so well it's become a part of your identity. It's not just a truth that you traffic in. It is the truth that you have become. Not just truth that you traffic in. It's the truth that you have become. Man, I wish I was a fly on the wall in that conversation that David had with his son. He's laying on his bed. He's weak. He's about to die. Something gets close to him. David says, boy, live courageously. Secondly, he says, son, listen to me. You know what I stood for. Live obediently. But then thirdly, he charges him, and I suppose, technically speaking, this is a subset of obedience. It really is. But I want to parse it out a little bit. Thirdly, he charges him, live courageously, live obediently, but thirdly, live faithfully. And faithfulness is a subset of obedience. Live Live faithfully. If you want to leave your mark, there are no shortcuts. Somebody needs to hear that. If you want to leave a mark, there are no shortcuts. If you want to leave your footprints in the sands of time, you have to wear work boots. There are no shortcuts. And this whole principle here that I want to summarize in verse 4 is that Uh, David is saying, remember where we came from and what's been placed in our hands. Remember where you came from, what's been placed in your hands. Crawford Loritz, our teacher here on Living a Legacy, looking at the three charges David gave his son Solomon as David laid on his deathbed. Those charges were to live courageously, to live obediently, and live faithfully. Crawford will summarize these and give some final thoughts next week. Today's message is titled, Footprints in the Sand, and we're nearing the end of Crawford's series, The Pursuit of God's Heart, Looking at the Life of David. We're always encouraged to hear how these messages are impacting you. And here's a recent email from Teresa. Dear Pastor Loretz, I just want to thank you for your uncompromising sermons. They are so helpful to me. Recently, you spoke about David's discouragement, and I'm hopefully coming out of several years of being discouraged in my faith in every area of my life. What I appreciate most about your sermons is that you don't sugarcoat anything. You remind us that we have responsibilities. We are accountable for our part in our relationship with Christ. What we don't want to hear is what we need most to hear. A sugar-coated gospel is worthless. There's nothing to hold on to in times of trouble. I hope you'll be encouraged to continue to always serve up the gospel straight, no matter how hard it is to swallow. God bless. Thank you so much, Teresa. Now, how about you? You can write to us at legacy at moody.edu, legacy at moody.edu. 
If you joined us late for today's message, you can catch it all on our website, livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org. For Dr. Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Thanks for listening. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.